This reading is from Ephesians 2, verse 11 to 22, but it's also on page 16 of the booklet. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who, who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in, in his flesh the law with, with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself uh, one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for reading. Um, it's been a great pleasure to be with you uh, over these last uh, couple of days. Uh, when we started on Friday, I said that all the details that we look at need to be grounded in uh, doctrine and desire. And so we start as we, uh, we finish as we start, really, going back to the heart of what uh, God says uh, about these things. So let me pray and uh, we'll dive straight in. We won't be able to, to plumb the depths, but I hope that we'll be inspired in these next few minutes. So Father God, uh, we thank you again uh, for your word. We pray by your spirit you give us um, our eyes to see the glory of the cross all the more clearly for the sake and fame of Jesus and for the, the glory of your name among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, well let me see if these slides are going to work. There we go. Uh, we want to belong but sometimes we face Barriers. We want to belong, but sometimes we face uh, barriers. So I remember age 12, secondary school, the, the bell uh, goes, it's break time. People decide they want to play a game of football. Uh, all the boys have to line up. It was, in a, it was in a boys' school. We line up against the wall, and two captains emerge, and gradually they pick people to be on each team. You know, one person picks a person. The other person picks... I'm seeing a nod from Jill. And we all... I don't know, some of us, this is as painful memories as you stand there against the wall waiting to be picked. Am I going to be picked? When am I going to be picked? Which team am I going to be in? And it feels like sometimes that's the story of our lives, wanting to belong but facing barriers, wanting to be included but sometimes feeling excluded. All of us face this in different ways throughout our life. But our focus, of course, over this weekend has been on culture and ethnicity. And I hope we've seen that sometimes we can have attitudes and assumptions some of the, which we're aware of, some of which we're unaware of, that can make it harder for people to feel uh, welcome and wanted in a church. And it can lead to loneliness and division and fear. But the good news of Ephesians chapter 2, the good news that we remember this morning, this Lord's Day, 
is that Jesus intended to break down those barriers. He means to make us family. Family with him, family with one another. Um, the, 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 the bit of uh, Paul's writing just before this is about how we have been forgiven as a free gift. And we've been forgiven in order that we might put on a show. So verse 10, which we didn't read, says this, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. We're created to put on a show to do good works. And I think I often think of that as I myself individually need to live a good life. But of course, in the context of the book of Ephesians, what is that show? What is that good life? What are those works? Well, presumably they include the reconciliation, the togetherness that God wants to, uh, us to display. Imagine uh, what I described in a previous session, um, 1945, soldiers and civilians passionately embracing. Imagine a televised version of that. Imagine us uh, being a show that people can see of difference coming together. That is the intention of uh, what the gospel is meant to do. Good news is meant to bring people together in such a way that it makes the angels in heaven say, wow. That it makes the demons in hell hiss in disgust. And so at the beginning of our passage in verse 11, Paul writes, therefore, because we are meant to put on this show, this good work uh, that God prepared in advance that must include reconciled living, Therefore, remember. And here's the summary of what he wants us to remember. Christ turns foreigners into family through the cross. Christ turns foreigners into family through the cross. Remember this, church. Two points. The first is this. We were foreigners. Verse 11 reads, uh, Therefore, remember that formerly... You who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now we know, don't we, that being a foreigner means to be an outsider, not from that group. And Paul is saying to, to Gentiles, non-Jews, remember that you were an outsider, outsiders ethnically and spiritually. In verse 11, we get the ethnic bit, if you like. So verse 11 is saying that formerly you, you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised. Um, uh, for, for a Jew at this point in history, uh, the world was divided into two. You had the Jewish nation, of course, God's chosen people, and you had the, the Gentiles, the rest. And that includes, I'm presuming, most of us here today. And to mark out the, the, the Jews, God's chosen people, they were circumcised. A small bit of skin cut off the men uh, to show that they belonged to God. I'm not going to explain any more than that. Um, and so if you were a man or if you had a man in the family, you were in if uh, circumcision was present. If you hadn't, you were out. And that would have been us too. We'd been alive then if we were Gentiles. And they would let you know if you were in the outsider group because you were called the uncircumcised. There was a sense in which people were looked down upon. Now, uh, let's see if I can get this right. 
There we go. Uh, at my school, we had something called prefects. I don't know if these things exist. Do they exist in your school? They do. Oh, here we go. A few, few nods and shakes here. And the thing about being a prefect was, I guess, you were selected from above. Um, you know, the, the teachers or uh, people in charge selected you. But some people would use their prefect status to look down on others. Uh, I didn't, of course. I was a prefect, but I tried not to look down on others. But that was the kind of thing. You're selected from above, and you could end up looking down on others. And that's the sense here when it says some were called the uncircumcised. There was a sense in which that they'd been selected, chosen by God, and had the, the tendency to look down on others. But there was also a spiritual side as well as an ethnic side, which we read about in verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners, importantly, to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. You were outside of God's plans for the universe. You may have been a nice person. You may have tried to be nice to others who were different from you. But if you were not a Jew, you were separate from the Son of God. You were separate from his people. You were cut off from his promises, cut off from the hope that God uh, offers. Let me be clear, if Christ had not come... That would still be you and me today, without hope and without God in the world. But, verse uh, 12, uh, sorry, let's go on. Christ makes us family. Christ makes us family. Look at verse 13 there. But now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ turns foreigners into family through the cross. And Paul uses this very vivid picture in verse 14 to explain. For he, that is Christ himself, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So the place where people went um, to worship God together was the, the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, two ancient historians, Josephus and Philo, described the barrier that separated the court of the Gentiles uh, from uh, the, the court of the Israelites. And it was a physical barrier, and there are archaeological uh, remains that show the, the signs that were posted in Latin and in Greek, warning Gentiles they could go no further into the temple precincts under penalty of death. There was a very physical barrier that uh, represented and showed this spiritual barrier. But verse 14, it's as if Jesus came to earth with a spiritual bulldozer and smashed this wall down forever. Not physically, not physically, but by fulfilling the Old Testament laws that excluded Gentiles uh, so that uh, no longer was it firstly Jews and secondly Gentiles, but we were one new man. Verse 15, by setting aside in his flesh, that is Jesus, setting aside in his flesh at the cross, the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And if you were a Jew listening to this, I think there would be a certain amount of shock because do you see what it says in verse 16, if you look down? It says in verse 16, and in one body to reconcile who? So verse 16 there of uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians, and in one body to reconcile who? Everybody. 
Um, is anyone going to answer me here? So this is verse 16. And in one body to reconcile both, both of them. In other words, Jews and Gentiles both needed Jesus. You see, outside there was this dividing uh, wall, but it wasn't just a, a horizontal thing between Jew and Gentile. Both of them would be divided from God without the work of the cross. They both needed the cross. And that's really significant because it means, according to God here, it's ridiculous for, for example, religious people who have a background in going to church or went to Sunday school or anything like that to think that they are better from irreligious people and that they don't need forgiveness through the cross. We all need the cross. We all needed Jesus to fulfill uh, this Old Testament promise uh, quoted in uh, Isaiah 57 in verse 17. We needed him to preach peace in order that we might be forgiven. It's a peace that starts now and one that will one day flood the whole world. Jesus Christ has made peace through his uh, bloodshed at the cross. Look, what does this all mean for you and me today? You're familiar with these truths, I know. Verse 11, remember how this section started. Therefore, remember, remember who you are. So Paul uh, assumes that these truths of the gospel are things that we need to keep revisiting if we are to live them out uh, the right way. Now, many of you will have seen the film The, the Lion King. Uh, uh, smiles begin to come on the faces of people, which is an encouragement. Um, you, you remember that uh, part of the Lion King where Simba has forgotten who he was. And uh, rather than living as the, the son of the king, he uh, finds himself eating uh, uh, ants and dancing with warthogs and singing, it means no worries, and all the rest of it. And, and he, 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 at that point in the cartoon, meets his father, Mufasa, and his father says to him, you've forgotten who you are, and so you've forgotten me. And that's what we must not do. And so Paul says, remember, remember these things. So easy to slip into living uh, as if we become a Christian uh, once and then get on with living our, our lives. But we can end up like Simba, living a very different kind of life. What do I mean by that? We can end up forgetting our forgiveness and so doing life just wrapped with guilt. Or we can end up forgetting that we are family and doing our Christian life in isolation from others. But we need to remember. And that's why we build into church life times that we revisit truths. This weekend away is, is, is one time when we're doing exactly that. Praise God that you made it here this weekend. If you are a, a parent, think of those times when it's late on a on an evening and you've got home from work and you pick up the children's Bible and you think, they've heard this before, do they really need to hear it again? Keep going. We need to remember these things. You're a teenager here and you think, oh, you know, I, I know that Jesus died on the cross, but we need to remember these things because very quickly we end up living a different kind of life. In a few minutes we will celebrate the Lord's Supper and Jesus gave us that for the same reason, so that we would remember his blood shed for us. All of you, think back to Friday night and maybe you got home from work and you were tired. 
and you're thinking to yourself, why on earth did I agree to come away for a weekend away at High Lee? Thank you for coming this weekend, not for my sake, but because Jesus Christ says, remember. Remember who you were. Remember what I've done. Because otherwise we end up living a very different kind of life. We need this. We need this. That's the first thing. And the second thing uh, is to remember that Christians are family and so value them. Christians are family, so value them. Let's see if this is going to come up here. Christians are family, so value them. Value your Christian family in such a way that the angels in heaven say, wow. Only God can do this. Value your Christian family in such a way that the demons in hell hiss in disgust in what only God can do. When you look around you, and you can actually do this, when you look around you, you will see people who are very, very different uh, from one another. There are very real differences among us. But displaying our love of diversity among us displays our love of the death that bought us and made us family. Let me say that again. Displaying our love of the diversity around us displays our love of the death that bought us and made us family, the death of Jesus Christ. Hear this. Christ died to take hostility and anger and disgust and jealousy and self-pity and fear and envy, and hatred, and malice, and indifference away from our hearts towards all other people who are in Christ by faith, whatever their ethnicity. And so, what will that look like in the detail? Well, it will look like, firstly, caring for, for other Christians. And will you think this weekend, what is the thing that you want to stick with, that you want to persevere with, that you maybe want to do differently as a result of all that you've heard this weekend? What, what will care look like in a different way from when you arrived on Friday night? Is it the way that you welcome uh, others, new uh, or old? And not just your mates, but maybe people who are different from you. And, and there was a question that I think got asked yesterday about how do we do that ongoing welcome uh, of people who we already know. Well, wouldn't it be a great thing to ask one another? You know, how, 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 how would ongoing welcome look successful to you? Well, how, how would you know that you are being welcomed well? We know each other well, but what does that look like? Why not ask one another? Is it welcome? Is it investing in a cross-cultural friendship more than you have, not just with friendship with your mates? Is that what caring will look like? Is it just the, the ordinary business of doing mission with others who maybe are different from us? So that we take the attention off ourselves, in fact, and keep it on the glory of the Lord Jesus. What will it look like to care for brothers and sisters uh, in the days and weeks ahead? Will it look like seeking justice for other Christians? Right as we began at the beginning of the weekend, we talked about that, didn't we? Confronting and rejecting racism, speaking up perhaps for those who cannot speak for themselves. Is that what it will look like to value our brothers and sisters, to seek justice 
for other Christians. And maybe it will look like continuing to learn with other Christians as well. Uh, there's a, a, a verse in that wonderful prayer that Paul prays later in uh, the book of Ephesians when he says, I, I, I'm, I'm praying that you will have power, in chapter 3, verse 18, together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I wonder if in that verse he's, he's talking about the fact that we need one another in order to know Jesus uh, expansively. In other words, if you don't have one another, you will be lacking in what you can know about Jesus. Do you ever think about that? We need one another because of the different perspectives that we bring to know the fullness of who Jesus is. Uh, we had a midweek group at church uh, recently. We were thinking about spiritual warfare. And it was a wonderful session because half the people in the group was just sort of saying, this is a daily reality for us. And half the people in the group were saying, we never think about this at all. But together in that one group, we, there was a richness and understanding about this topic that we never would have had if we hadn't been together. You miss something if we try and grow on our own. So maybe if you're not part of a small group, maybe if that's something that doesn't happen very often in your Christian life at the moment, would you make that more of a priority than you do? You cannot know Jesus as well as you might on your own. We need one another. We need one another. And it all starts by remembering um, uh, that Christ is our peace. Back to verse 14. For Christ himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. This is uh, 1938, and uh, anyone know who this man is? Any of the teenagers? Oh, go on. Go on, oh, there we go, there we go. Neville Chamberlain. And you, some might remember that he stood up in front of the British people in 1938 and said, peace in our time. And very soon, uh, we were at war. However we try to achieve human peace, uh, very soon it, it breaks down one way or another. It's only Christ who can secure an unshakable peace that brings us near to God and near to one another in a way that lasts beyond this life and into eternity. Christ turns foreigners into family through the cross. What will you do differently as a result? Let me uh, pray. I'll hand back over to our loving Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank you so much uh, for all that we've heard this weekend. We've just scratched the surface of uh, this uh, bit of the Bible, but we thank you for how this inspires us to remember what lies at the heart of why we have assembled this weekend to think about this uh, issue of becoming uh, more diverse as a church, of, of thinking about what it means to welcome others well. It doesn't lie on our strategy to reach more people, doesn't uh, merely lie on a particular political agenda, no. At the heart of it is the work of your son at the cross, your blood shed for us so that we would put on a display that wouldn't just look incredible to the world around us, though we pray it would, but would even look incredible to the angels in heaven. 
And so we pray, Heavenly Father, you'd help us not merely to uh, close our Bibles and close our hearts to all that we've heard, but we pray in your great mercy uh, you would enable us to think what will look different as a result of your incredible work in our hearts and uh, through uh, the word that you have given us uh, this weekend. For the sake and fame of Jesus we ask. Amen. Amen.